Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is October 16th, 2022. Hopefully you're having a good one. Hopefully this podcast episode finds you well. Uh, As for me, I'm doing pretty good. Doing all right. Uh, Let's see. Last night, I went to a wedding reception for my friend. It was exciting. Uh, Shout out to Victoria, or... Tony and Victoria Mason. There we go. Getting the name order right. So my Tony, my, my Tony, um, he invited me to it. It was fun. It was good time. Um, it was at the uh, Cincinnati Museum, which was really cool. I hadn't been there since I was a kid. It's been a long time. I definitely, it was a good reminder to go back and like maybe make that happen. I need to do some like, museum hangs for sure. But it was good to see some friends and vibe and enjoy myself. But I got to tell you, we're going to, you know, hop right into the food corner and um, I'm going to tell you the pregame and then I'm going to tell you what we ate there. Um, so pregame, I don't know why I'm like this. Maybe I was feeling 22 or something, which is ridiculous when you're 32 and your stomach is not the same, but I was feeling frisky. So I got a big, <laughs> I, got, I got a large pizza from Marco's, uh, was it Pepperoni Magnifico? Uh, essentially, pizza is, I, I, if you're a Marco, <clears throat> Marco's Pizza Enjoyer, you know what I'm talking about when I say this. They had a pizza called the New Yorker. Very good pizza. Essentially, it's like New York style, like really thin, flat, uh, pepperoni. You could get other toppings on it, I think. But the crust is really good. I, I really enjoyed that. Now, they've changed it a bit, and this is the closest thing you can kind of get to that for the deal, whatever. So it's like, you know, $10 large pizza, pretty good. Um, So I soloed that whole pizza. Then I also got um, some beer, because I was like in this treat-yourself mode for my Friday. Um, I got a four-pack of, what is it, uh, Urban Artifacts. I believe it is fire fire iron or something like that and then i also got gadget uh the gadget i've tried before the fire iron one was a new one for me and i think it says like 8.5 i said shooey i love a good alcohol volume that's that's my thing um so i uh drink one of those beers the fire island one and then i or fire iron one Fire Island. <laughs> Actually, I'm surprised there's not. It's probably a like a, a mixed drink called Fire Island for sure. Um, so I, I get my drink. I get, ate the pizza, and I'm like, wait, Isaiah, you know you're gonna eat dinner there, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm talking to myself because I'm crazy, and I'm like, yeah, I'll just be a little peckish. How about that? I'll do a little, and it's like, when have I ever been peckish? Like, <laughs> so I, I know I'm like, that's a lie. So I get there. Um, Fun time, like I said. Good time. We can talk about the food, though. Um, I will say there were some little hors d'oeuvres I didn't wind up eating. I think they had, like, some, like, little, like, tomato pepper things that they put on a cracker. I didn't eat that. And there was, like, some kind of thing that was wrapped in something that seemed good, but I didn't touch it. I will say, though, guys, I don't know if you're... Once again, this is for the this is for the fans. 
um they had beef wellington bites beef wellington bites so i knew i was like oh i'm gonna break my oath right now like we're peckish i'm peckish right now like give me give me one so i got one i ate it and i was impressed i like it it's it's weird that it really is a pastry like motherfuckers are not playing about that part um I definitely got to get the big version, so don't get me wrong. You know, we're still on the quest to officially eat a Beef Wellington, but I'm counting this. I'm putting it on my little bucket list that we've checked the box, okay? Um, so, yeah, jo- I enjoyed that. Uh, the The main course is like a little like a buffet-style kind of thing. Uh, they had a salad. They had um, like a sirloin cutlet with gravy. They had chicken and broccoli um am i missing anything and mashed potatoes there you go um all were good enjoyed it so i had a good time and uh i decided to drink water since my pregame was like hard enough because i've realized that i'm like i said i'm, I'm a lightweight when it comes to alcohol yes I, I drink on the on the pod while i'm telling the news but like that's like one beer for me like it's never that serious unless i've like pregame before the episode or something like that oh well, and i have a shot of bourbon but um you know so this little big drink for me was enough for the day i was good um so i just stayed hydrated did some dancing and yeah it was a good time so yeah congratulations to them thank you for inviting me it was a good time good vibes uh let's see other than that though today was cool this has been chill i've been um you know knocking out some errands you know doing the laundry you know real exciting stuff guys gals but um gosh i've um i've strung this out i've i've talked about myself for too long we can get into some news um, speaking of news, got this from Yahoo News, Yahoo, and USA Today. Arrest made in California serial killings while suspect was out hunting for another victim. Stockton police say. So this has been a, de- a developing story. I've heard about this like Stockton serial killer that they hadn't uh, like put out the name or the information of, but they have a suspect in mind. They're doing their due diligence and investigating the matter. But I mean, it was, it was really scary. Uh, I know a lot of, and the, the, the killings were, they didn't really seemingly have a tie other than that they were homeless people. So it was just really scary for people who have no place to really, you know, to have shelter, have protection that they're potentially, you know, their lives are in danger and someone's just coming out and targeting them and just uh, essentially shooting them. Also, another thing that was very, you know, unsettling, the fact that these are literally killings and the motive is just to kill these people. Uh, there was no um, beating. There was no fighting. There was no robbery, no theft. So just very weird, very odd. I didn't want to necessarily cover it because I didn't know how it was going to develop. But it's it's crazy in terms of, like, how fast... Like, if the police are on it, if the police are actually giving a shit, especially in these in this day and age, um, you know, with with tips. And then also there was a survivor from one of the attacks, I think, who kind of helped potentially identify the person. Uh, Wesley Brownlee was 43 years old, uh, was apprehended. 
So, you know, that's good news that he's off the street. I, I definitely kind of wanted to wait till at least they got a, like a name or a face of the person or actually apprehended a person. So it looks like they're pretty sure that this is the per- the the suspect, the, the person committing the murders. So, um, yeah, but like I said, six. Uh, no, there's a total of seven shootings and six were fatal. Um, of the six all were men, the one survivor was a woman. Uh, she said she was in her tent. I think she heard some noise and she came out of her tent and she was immediately confronted by with the dude for, with the gun. Uh, and this person shoots at her, I think, several times. I think she then, like, is trying to rush towards him. And in that moment, he doesn't fight her and, I guess, flees. So just very odd, very surreal. I couldn't imagine living through that, getting through that. Uh, but obviously glad she did. Um, let's see. They do have the names of the victims. I wanted to run through that. Paul Yaw, 35, who died in who died on July 8th. Salvador DeBudley, De DeBuddy Jr., 43, who died August 11th. Jonathan Hernandez Rodriguez. 21, who died August 30th, Juan Cruz, 52, who died September 21st, and Lawrence Lopez Sr., 54, who died September 27th. So this person was just on a string, and like they said in the title uh, headline, he was like hunting these people. So the way the police apprehended him, they were, you know, surveilling him and kind of tracking his movements, seeing his patterns, and they're like, this matches up with what, you know, our more or less idea and profile of this guy is. This is making sense. This is adding up. And he was going around parks and areas, looking in dark places, and, you know, like towards the end of the night, and they're like, okay, he's definitely going to make a move. And so they waited for them to, to do that and, you know, staffed him beforehand, and, you know, he's off the streets. So that's good. That's a good example of law enforcement acting, being aware, and stopping something before it got worse. That's for sure. Um, But yeah, I mean, really scary-ass shit, man. Uh, Let's see. And some other news I wanted to cover. I got this from NPR. Four people died in a fire at at Iran's even, even, sorry, I'm pronouncing it first now, even prison which holds political prisoners. Now, this is in some ways connected to the death of Masa Amini and the protests that have been going on in Iran. So um, I think the the state media version of this story is that there are prisoners who they then promote to the title of rioters who um, they needed to suppress and in all this, that was kind of the cause of the fire and, you know, the deaths for four people. Um, they said that they separated the rioters from the prisoners and, you know, dealt with them accordingly. Now, in non-state-run um, TV, it kind of paints a little bit of a different story. It tells a little bit more, saying, like, hey, people were also, you know, protesting. They were also upset. Um and there was an escape mounted and what was seen with the plumes of fire coming out of the prison were potentially people trying to 
more or less blow their way out of the prison is how I'm interpreting it, which is like really crazy. But, um, you know, essentially they had police in the street. They had, you know, security, obviously in the prison, um, shit got shut down. Uh, very scary, very, you know, sad to hear the people died in the process of this. Also, this prison is known for holding political prisoners. Um, you know, people who are, you know, upset with how, you know, Iran is being run. Uh, let's see. I mean, it's, it's definitely been like, you know, protests on the street have been, you know, shouting death to, to uh, death to the dictator. Um, also, you know, to go back to the Masamini thing, you know, women, young men, um, grandparents are hitting the streets. They are, you know, coming out in droves. They are taking off their hijabs. They are burning their hijabs. They are withstanding, like, water cannons. I heard a story of a woman, like, jumping on a cop car. Like, that, it's just crazy. Um, and, you know... It's a good. I don't want to say it's a good thing, but I understand the vibe and the energy of wanting to to fight for your right. It's it's something deeper because, like, obviously, as a black man in America, I understand you know levels of oppression. That shit fucking sucks. It doesn't feel good. It feels terrible. But to be like, let's say, a woman in a country where you cannot you know live your life free, you cannot live your life comfortably. And I mean, I'm sure even women in America can attest to that feeling. It was just just despair and fear every day walking around but it's just magnified in a place like this and you know i've heard you know listening to news and stuff like that that this isn't a new thing that also the government is like yeah we know that you guys feel a way about this but at the end of the day that's western sentiment and we're gonna burn that out like they are actively trying to fight against that and you know, it's really sad to see. It's really sad to hear some of the stories of what women have had to go through, you know, in terms of like the morality police and things like that. And also this kind of goes to show, too, it's not just the women. It's it's all of the people, you know, are oppressed. If you are not towing a line here, you're going to be sent to these kind of prisons and live a terrible existence for the rest of your days, potentially. Um Gosh, uh, I'm trying to scour here and talk at the same time. Sorry about that. Um, but this is definitely just something I, I wanted to kind of highlight and cover and also kind of gave me a chance to um, talk about the Masa Amini thing, talk about, like, you know, the protests going on there. Um, I was trying to find a name here, but it's escaping me. Oh, here we go. Um, Supreme Leader... Ayatollah Al-Khamenei. Now, he is the supreme leader. They also do have a president as well of Iran. Um, both are kind of echoing the same sentiments that it's like, okay, you guys are going to protest, but that's not going to last. Um, and it does look like they're cracking down. So, you know, we will see because it's not stopping. Um, but yeah, want to cover that. I'll try to, you know, continue to expand on the coverage as I get it. But, um... In some other news, back from Yahoo News and also the Associated Press, death toll rises to 41 in Turkey coal mine explosion. So, I mean, this is one of those things where it's just a sad event that happens. Uh, it looks like there was a total of 110 miners. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, let me do a little bit of the math here. There were 11 who were injured and hospitalized with five in serious condition, while 58 others managed to get out of the mine on their own or were rescued unharmed. But it was just a really sad story, you know, hearing like, you know, people, you know, rescue teams or whatever, you know, recovering the bodies and, you know, people weren't alive. So therefore there were people who were waiting outside and, you know, you get the news that it's like they the person that you're waiting for just didn't make it. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine that. Um, I'm sure it's super devastating. And to know, too, you know, reading this article that this isn't the first time it's happened. There was a mine disaster in 2014 where 301 miners died after a fire erupted inside a coal mine in, ta- in the town of Soma. Um, let's see, five months later, 18 miners were killed in central Carmen province after the flood. It also kind of goes to say, too, that this recent one uh, could have been potentially avoided, you know, if we had learned some of the lessons that we actually said, like we're going to learn from this event and essentially doing more, you know, checks, you know, making sure that everything's up to grade, making sure, you know, safety suggestions are actually heated and then you know they weren't and sadly you know something like this is more prone to happen and it did which is uh you know definitely a sad thing uh let's see i don't know not too much else i wanted to cover like i said it's sad when and these are kind of things like it's it's a it's like a natural disaster type of event i mean yes it's people mining and it's an explosion in a mine like you could go deep on this and say, well, if you didn't mine these kind of things in the earth and didn't take these kind of things, things would be better. You wouldn't have this kind of loss of life at all. But we all know how the world tends to move and operate. And I don't know. It, it can be kind of hard having those conversations. I don't know if I'm at an impasse right now in life and how I, I kind of deal with those kind of things. But I definitely don't mind having the conversation, but I do think it, it it's an inevitable thing in these kind of situations. And I do think that just having more checks, more safety protocols followed, I think is the best thing you can do if you're dealing with a coal mine, you're dealing with an oil rig, you're dealing with any of these kind of things, you know? But, um, yeah, I mean, I get two in the weeds there. But more environmental stuff. Maybe that's kind of why it's on my brain here. Um this is kind of a spooky yuki story and not in like a Halloween, October, like, you know, vibe, but it's spooky to me. So I got this from CBS News. Alaska snow crab season canceled as officials investigate, investigate disappearance of an estimated 1 billion crabs. Now, when I read that headline and uh, before I clicked on it, got more info, I kind of interpreted this as like, I don't know, uh, this is just more, maybe more evidence that I'm a dummy, but like, I don't know that some people were like illegally, um, like harvesting them, like collecting them, selling them, something like that. I thought it was some kind of, you know, crime thing. And, uh, but then when I read the article, it definitely kind of helped illuminate what, what was the real issue here. And it's, it's the idea that 98% of their population just disappeared and we don't know why we don't know what happened to them and there's some theories like okay maybe there was some kind of disease that took them out maybe they've just moved from this area that they're supposed to be in 
Like, nobody knows. Maybe it's climate change. Maybe the change of the water temperature just fucked them up and, like, you know, they couldn't recover. Like, who knows? But definitely, despite all the, you know, the speculation and all that, this is a problem because that's going to affect, you know, once again, us. Um, It's going to affect in terms of, like, you know, the seafood that's a huge loss, and if no one can harvest, no one can do anything, like, that's going to be no no crab, no, at least no Alaskan snow crab. People are going to have to settle for different or lesser, whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. But just a real weird, kooky story. <laughs> um, I don't know if we're going to get any more, you know, any kind of solid update about it or anything like that, but... Um, yeah, I definitely just wanted to put that up there for your ears or maybe your eyeballs to comb over. Um, and then last but not least, we got a good update. But you know me. I'm going to take my little break. Ooh. Okay. Mm. All right. The last one comes from Yahoo News and also the Washington Post. The WAPO. <laughs> Yellowstone to reopen Northeast entrance for entrance four months after record floods. So, this is an update on the Yellowstone flood. We covered that in episodes prior. Very devastating really just massive damage. Now they said that they were able to quickly open the southern entrance back up, but the northeast entrance road was blocked. It was really damaged. It required a lot of work and they were able to open that entrance four months after. And they are noting this as as very fast and I would agree that it is very fast, but I kind of wanted to talk about this in the way of just thinking, this happened and it was very devastating. But like, imagine this is gonna is something that happened year after year, or even biannually, or whatever, even three. Like, if this could continue to happen in an area, like it required so much effort and so much time, money, resources to get Yellowstone back open. Like, imagine that happens at other places, like, you know, a Jacksonville, you know, whatever. It's it's just something scary, and I know it's not really what this is about. I know I'm supposed to be giving you the good news straight up, but you know me. I can't help it a little bit. I gotta talk about it all sometimes. But definitely, though, stoked to know that it's back open, that people can go back and, you know, see and experience, you know, nature. Um, hell yeah. Awesome. Uh... <laughs> Let's see. I don't know if I have too much else to add there. Um, obviously, you know, there's more details, the yada, yada, yadas, which I sometimes like to get into, but sometimes I don't. What can I say? Um, also, this is a weird little bit of correction corner. Um, I said this on um, a Patreon episode, but I was talking about um, Herschel Walker, and then I also referenced his Senate, you know, opponent, uh, Raphael Warnock, and he's a Democrat. I said he was a radical Democrat, and I was like, I, I kind of said that, and I was like, uh, 
well, I'm sure I wasn't wrong there, whatever. And then I watched the debate, and um, he's not. <laughs> I, I did the math there, and I, looking, you know, once I kind of did some more research on him, cool dude still, still rooting for him, definitely over Herschel Walker, but um, yeah, he's just a normal Democrat, so... And that's that's fine. That is what it is, right? Um, <laughs> I got I got a normal Democratic uh, guy. What is it? Tim Ryan? That's that's Norm Core. So we might we might cover the debate or something in a future episode. I'm not 100 percent sure. Don't hold me to it. Um, and so it might be on a bonus episode. But just want to get the correction out there. Keep it on the level. Um, but that's all we pretty much got for today. Thank you for tuning in. You're the best. I love you so much. And uh, hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. Bye-bye. Mwah.